Hey everyone, this is Joel and Noah from the Wealth of Health podcast. This podcast is a conversation of our journey to financial health. We think working until 65 just ain't it, and just like you, we're trying to make sure that never happens. And if you're interested in letting us know what you're trying to do to achieve financial health and want to join us in our journeys, join the discussion on our Facebook at the Wealth is Health podcast. Let's tap in. Hi y'all, welcome back to the Wealth is Health podcast. Joel and Noah back again. We're going to talk about some technical analysis today. So if you want to stay tuned for that portion alone, then just watch the, the only video. We're going to cut this video up into two segments like we did last time. So we'll just have the technical analysis only part playing after. Uh, but if you want to stay for the whole thing, if you're a real one and you want to hear what we have going on in our actual lives that are getting us to these points, we can put a lot of money into these stocks that we're going to analyze technically, then stick around for this portion yes, of the episode. Uh, so I know last time we did talk about fundamental analysis, but a little bit later on, I'm going to talk about that technical side. First, we're going to get into these updates from the last week. Um, you want to start? No, because I already I started last time, so you uh, start I now. Thought, you I just thought have that, that was like our routine. That's what we did. But so no, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. It doesn't matter. No, nah, you know what? No, nah, I'm going to go now. <laughs> nah, <laughs> this man wants me to go. I'll go. Okay. All um, right. So basically. No, nah, so up- what happened? With- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um. So what was I saying? I think I said I was going to sit down with more lenders um, as my weekly goal. And I actually have not talked to a single lender this week. Oh, no, actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because um, I had that meeting on Tuesday when we were supposed to record. And I talked to a lender then. But um, I actually kind of changed my mind a little bit in terms of the weekly goal because, um, like, because I, I'm thinking about focusing on short-term rentals instead i actually I remembered right <laughs> i actually I remembered that. that i met a lender who has a short-term rental out in vermont um and he has a similar mentality like i do when it comes to investing in real estate in general even though short-term rentals is not really real estate investing it's more hospitality business but either way you're still like acquiring a property but um yeah so he was saying that like when he buys properties like he owned at least one in like St. Louis. And I think he's owned like a couple more properties, but he's like, yeah, whether I own it in state or out of state, I'm still like building a business around it. Like I'm not gonna be the property manager. I'm not doing anything myself. Like I'm running it truly as a business. So that's why I would like to talk to him about it. Um, see how it's going for him out there. Maybe he'll even uh, let us see his, his profit and loss statement <laughs> for the year, yeah, maybe. maybe. That'd be nice. Cause I wanna know what, the, what those cool. numbers are hitting like. Um, to see if it's a good move but yeah so if it sounds like he's actually doing well it would be dope to work with him on the uh, financing side and that's kind of like incentivizing him to even like give up the game because i would be using him as, as a lender for that specific property but yeah like potentially even being able to use like uh like his property management team the realtor that he used for it, any like handyman or other types of contractors or whatever um kind of just like plug and play which would be fire so we'll see um, how that goes, but we're setting up that meeting for next week, so both Joel and I can go. And then, depending on what we hear, we might actually even just have him on the pod. It should be fantastic. I'd love to see you do yes, that. Yes, sir. So and what I the course? Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say the course too that I'm taking right now also goes into like crazy in depth. So I kind of wish I finished that course so I could compare it to what he's about to say. But either way, I can cross compare at any point yeah exactly um but yeah so what i've been focusing on this week instead was i actually ended up buying another option trading course um 
because I actually did well <laughs> with options. Because you're, you're making bread. Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> kind of making bread <laughs> with options right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't want to get like like a big head and actually feel like I know what I'm doing because I know for a fact I don't all the way know what I'm doing. Like Because when I hear other people like analyzing charts and getting into different trades or whatever, I'm like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I don't see what you see right now. <laughs> and I don't like that. Like It makes me uncomfortable. So I'm trying to trying to make sure that I understand that more. Um, but yeah, so I feel like I'm definitely going to do that whenever I have like what I consider to be like like a bigger gain, maybe. Um, and what I consider to be a big gain is probably going to change over time. But when it, like the ones that I just made, um, like the first one was, hold up, I turned 9,000 into 19,000 on NVIDIA. And then on SMH, I turned 14,000 into like 22,000. Um, no I'm making that the cat like this. <laughs> I turned 9,000 to 19,000. Yes, That's sir. Fine. Yes, sir. And that wasn't even a full clip. That was only half a clip because I, I didn't feel comfortable about my entry. So I was like, I'm only going to go halfway <laughs> on this one. That is crazy to me. Yeah. yeah that um, is crazy. Wait, what was the time frame that you made that in? A couple weeks. Like three That's weeks, maybe. Crazy, okay. Yeah. Um, I can get the exact time frames after, but yeah. So I, I definitely just don't want to make sure, or I want to make sure that I'm not getting like cocky or anything like that. So back to the books, yeah. <laughs> Taking Wait, another so course. Your, Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to ask. So was your, when you were trading, like making that trade, did you plan on it being a long-term trade and then it just happened to skyrocket and you're like, all right, I'm just going to take yeah, it out now? that's exactly okay, what that's happened. What I um, I, like, yeah. And to be honest, I'm not done with that with either of those trades. I'm gonna be trading in and out of those same positions over and over again up until probably like maybe late 2022, mid 2023, like that time range. Um, but yeah, like, and that's what I'm saying even about those trades. Like I basically just got lucky. That wasn't really a lot of skill. Like all of a sudden analysts just started raising their price targets for Nvidia and it just started running. And <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and then AMD is another uh, semiconductor in the SMH ETF, and Nvidia is also in there. So it's like I was eating off both of them. It's called SMH. Yeah, shake my head, bro. SMH. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that's essentially what I've been focusing on. And just to say real quick, like what I've been learning from the course, uh, it kind of feels like I'm basically just never gonna do short term option trading. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Wow. It kind of seems like it's not really worth it. Like there's just so much risk, so much volatility, and like risk relative to the reward that um that i'm looking for it's not it's not really there so when it comes to short-term trading like uh i feel like the standard is typically like a three to one reward to risk ratio so basically um wait how does that look like <laughs> i'm trying like to remember you have like but basically like one win covers three losses but with the options approach that that she has is taking like it won't work out like that. So it doesn't make short sense. Term? Yeah. Okay. Like, unless you have, like, a stop loss that's, like, really, really close. But you're probably going to get stopped out very often because options move so quickly. Like, it's so volatile. So it's so easy to get stopped out. Um, whereas when I'm doing longer-term trades, like, I don't necessarily need a, a three-to-one reward-to-risk ratio because I'm buying so much time. Like, the options trades that I just got into, or just sold, actually didn't expire until 2024. So I don't, in my personal opinion, like with my strategy, I don't use a stop loss at the beginning, like when I first entered the trade. 
I'm just letting it run because I have so much time for it to recover. And as it starts like uh, gaining profitability, I started locking in stop losses along the way to kind of trail it upwards. So that that's what I do. But yeah, it looks like short term is not the move for me. So I basically bought a whole course to find out I'm not doing short term. <laughs> yeah, but I will do short term um, when it comes to buying puts. So when you're buying a put, you're basically uh, kind of betting that the stock price is gonna go down. So the time periods where the market's usually tanking, that's probably only the only time period where I'm gonna be making like shorter term trades. And you she goes over that. To like, yeah, you wanna explain to everyone like what the uh, stop loss is? Cause I don't know if, it, I don't know if we've ever talked about that. It's a pretty easy concept too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna be the best at explaining it. So you can chip in too, and they can also look on Investopedia. But it's basically, um, like a tool that you can use to get yourself out of a trade. So some people might use it initially when they're first entering a trade, cause they might be like, all right, maybe I'll put like a couple thousand into this trade, but I'm really only willing to risk $200 worth of my money on the trade. So they'll put a stop loss in place to say, all right, sell my position if I start losing like $200 or more. Yep. Yeah. So if it ever gets down to 800, it stops. And the reason it's so like, I guess, like, like you were saying, it's so volatile in the options market that it could just go to 800 and bounce right back up to, like, 3,000. Not That's, like, ridiculous, but that type no, but of, Stuff like, like that happens, yo. It's so annoying. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually crazy. But, yeah, so I don't use it like that in the type of options trades that I'm doing because I'm longer term. And what I'm doing, these are called leaps. Uh, there's It's an acronym, but basically a leap is um, an option trade that expires at least a year out. But I'm usually going like two, two and a half years. Um, yeah, so I, I just like track my stop losses like along the way. So I typically do in like 20 to 25% increments. So for example, if I'm up 40% on a trade, I'll put a stop loss in to take me out if my profitability starts going like below 20%. And I just keep moving it up over time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say that's basically it for me. And then I basically already said what the goal was for next week was to sit down with that lender about the short-term rentals. So I think that's and it. And I'll be there. It'd yep. be nice uh, to see that in person. Uh, okay, word. So for me, I have a few updates as well. I know last week I said I wanted to work on the branding for Wealth is Health. I do have like a concept that I created. I kind of want to see how it would look on a sweatshirt uh, or on anything. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, but basically, though, I, I don't really know. I, I feel like some t like the logo might be too minimal. No, it's the same one that I showed you before. And I came up with like a bunch of different concepts. So this is what it looks like. I'll show this camera here. This is what it looks like. And then, no, this is what it looks like for you. Like, those are all the different ideas I had. Mm -hmm. We went with this one. Went with this one right here. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like it's I feel like it's like very clean, but I don't know. Still on the fence about it, not like wowed with it or anything, but um I don't know, we'll, I'll make like a, a shirt and see how it looks. Uh and then see how it goes from there. Do an Instagram poll. Yeah, literally. I'll probably just, just do right. an Instagram poll. But I don't have any other options. That's the thing. Like I don't really wanna do that's the best one I have. So if I give people one option, they're gonna be like, all right, obviously this is the best one I think. Okay. Personally, but uh, but uh, I also started doing some branding stuff for my own personal business, um, which I said I would do last week. So 
That went well. Uh, I came up with the same thing, like a bunch of different concepts I just drew out. This is it for you, Noah. This is it for everyone else. Uh, and these were just like concepts I just created. And I just didn't know like what the vibe I was trying to go for was. So I actually ended up scrapping all the ideas. And you can see on my sweatshirt, this is the idea that I went with. I posted on my store the other day. So this is the first version, it's embroidered, but it's not like the best embroidery job. Like they didn't do like the crazy best embroidery job, which is fine, because I did it myself. So I'm gonna try to create a patch today. Like after we record this podcast, I'm gonna go back up to the place where you can do this. Make like a patch, which is supposed to be more, I guess, detailed, um, get some work done. And then as the patch is created, I can just cut it out and then put it onto a shirt or sweatshirt like this, like way more precise, uh, or just like sew it in. So I'll figure out how to do that later, but I'm gonna do the same thing for Wealth is Health. I ordered a bunch of shirts and stuff for that. And the reason I'm doing this is because when I'm on shoots with people, I wanna make sure that people know that I'm a videographer that they can use. So I'm going to make it very clear to people that this is my brand, this is what I do. On the back, I wanna have like a phone number or my Instagram tag. Sorry, I'm so thirsty. Uh, Instagram tag, uh, so people can like reach out oh, to me. I had a me. whole joke right there, and I just want you to know. But I'm glad you didn't say that. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad you didn't. You know I mean, I spared you right there. <laughs> it was gonna be a callback to another episode too, but I'll just tell you after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep that in your keep that in your head. I want to know what you're saying. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, no, the whole point is so is for awareness. I don't really do too much marketing um, because I don't. The system that I'm trying to do is one that doesn't require too much marketing because if I get too much work, I just can't fulfill it. But when I get to that bridge, I'll cross it, which is which is great. You gotta start hiring stuff video. out, bro. Go that's from, what I was saying. The problem, but I don't. I, yeah, I just I just don't know if I don't know how I would do. It. I don't know any videographers that I would trust to do as good of a job as I will. They're not. Who are young? To, that's the problem, dude. <laughs> and that's the problem. Like I don't want to. Like in the initial phases of of this business, I want to make sure I'm doing all the work, so that if I do ever bring someone in, they can like trail me or follow me to do this work, and then they can do it themselves. But that's like the scaling problem has always been something I've thought about because I don't trust anyone ever to do mm. the work that I'm gonna do. But I know you can't do it all yourself. You, you should wanna. read the E Myth. The E Myth? Yeah, it stands for like the Entrepreneur Myth or something like that. But... Does it talk about scaling? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good book. I will definitely read I that. I really like it. I'm actually gonna write that down right now. Hold on. You know what? I think that was actually on my list of books to read but either way um it was cool that i found out in my school center they have a place where you can print stuff out yourself so i created like this like screen print uh of, like the same thing so this is like a screen print of what the design would look like uh if i put it on it looks cleaner but yeah. it's not as i like the red too it's n- yeah it's not as um like i guess quality like it doesn't look as quality as if something was embroidered, like if you have an embroidered patch, it looks more like official. But if I'm making t-shirts, uh, it, it, who really cares? I'm on site, it doesn't matter. You can make these like really easily. And uh, the, the good thing about them is I got a, I'm gonna get like a pack of like 10 just white shirts and then just put logos on them. And I'll just give them out to my clients who I have. Like here, you work with me for subscription. Thank you. Take a shirt, you can wear it whenever. I don't really care. But people ask questions like, oh, you videography, whatever, blah, blah. Oh, that's what, like, you know what I'm saying? So any way that I can get to have people spread this picture or just build awareness for the brand is kind of what I'm going to try to build in the next week. So that's kind of my update too for next week because I'm going to get 
a bunch of shipments in. But I just want to finalize the design and make sure it looks good on like patches and everything first. Uh, the next thing. So this is a big thing for anyone who's watching the podcast who has their own business or is trying to aspire to make their own type of anything. Uh, contracts and stuff are super important. And there's stuff that I, I knew were important, but I didn't know how to, to really set it up. Uh, the reason I'm saying is this is because when you start getting bigger and you start working with people who aren't your friends, even if you are working with people who are your friends, you need to have a contract in place that states exactly what you're going to be doing uh, and how like you're going to be doing it, when it's going to be delivered, how much it costs, everything about it. You have to have it in writing because if not, there are guaranteed will be problems in the future. People don't live up to their word all the time. And because of that, contracts really stop that from happening. So I recently got a word I, I call it like a word offer um that someone wants to, to work with me for x amount of dollars right for this for this month for 30 days the way i do my system is i record video for 15 hours for that person um so they can pick whatever 15 hours out of the month they want to do and once i'm done with the recording i'll edit it whatever but they just know that they have 15 hours a month they can use to record any type of content that they want to record they want to do pictures aren't included in that but if they want to do like a personal video, we can do that. If they want to do their own little show, they can do that. I'll record it. I'll edit it. That's fine. But I have to make sure that everything is stated very clearly in a contract. So I have up the contract that I have. I can't show you the contract, obviously, because I just can't do that. If you want to, you're interested. <laughs> like, I just can't. I can't. Not only is this a contract that I, I also paid for the template myself from someone else and modified it myself, but it's got personal information in here, obviously. Um, but I can still read through like some of the stuff and uh, let you know kind of what was very important to include into it. Uh, if you really want to know like or see the template, then hit me up and I'll I'll show you like the templates or you know some stuff. I'm not gonna give you all the templates and stuff. The guy paid for it, so I just refer you to his stuff. All right, we don't want to steal stuff here. Uh, but some of the most important stuff in the contract for this like subscription style service um is how like the amount of time so i said 15 hours of filming per 30-day cycle the way i structure the payment is an initial payment and then every single week uh they pay you in increments of whatever's left so they let's say they pay you like ten dollars until you reach the hundred dollar limit or whatever that would be ridiculous that would be uh, um, a month but they just pay you initially and then they keep paying you as they go on so they don't forget about it uh, I, I state like how they can pay me cash out Venmo, Zelly, cash check I don't care um, how long they can use the media for um, if there's any restrictions on the media I know some people like don't want their media to be used for uh, some different stuff like, I, I don't really care so I say there's no restrictions um, a big thing is like how I guess like you have to make this as clear as possible to the person who you're dealing with. And, and this is kind of annoying because I don't think people read contracts a lot of the times. They just kind of sign it and, and move away. Um, but one thing, like, the client can only request a maximum of seven hours of shooting per week. Like, obviously, I have my own life. I can't just shoot 24-7 for you. So seven hours a week is what you can request. Uh, any person or anyone in the videos, um, I can use the videos for my own stuff. So if, you're, if I'm on shoot and we're shooting like you and you're like, I don't know, grandson and your kids or whatever. I can use that to promote my videos. I don't have to get them to sign like a model release. 
me them signing this contract is saying to to whoever signing it that these people have already agreed to be used however i would like them to be used that's another one too like anything that i record i can use to personally promote myself uh, and then one of the biggest ones too is anytime this is used they have to tag me or tag my instagram which is jrj imaging on social media unless like i explicitly state no you don't have to do that so this is like a, a example of the stuff that is very important to keep into this stuff these contracts because um it's just stuff that you i guess don't think about uh and then when it, when the time comes and you're like all right i can't really tell them to do this it's just important to know that you have everything out in like this document that they signed it and you're good only thing i will say though is that when i created this document um it's between me and the client i'd rather be between my corporation or jrj imaging and the and the client um, but i have to get to the, i have to still create basically the entity for this um this business first before i can actually have like i guess a corporation behind it so right now it's just between me and her but i'd like it to be between my business and the client at some point which is going to come up soon too i just want to get this certification too but like you were saying i'm just working on that as i'm going through uh, but that's basically a little bit about the importance of like contracts and making sure you have like good stuff in your contract. It's not just a bunch of like foolishness. You want to make sure you're clear and concise, as clear as possible, like numerical values for everything when you're doing this type of stuff. Um, and then the last update I have is that I just want to learn how to edit a little bit better on Final Cut Pro. Um, I think my editing is pretty okay right now there's a lot of stuff that i don't use and a lot of stuff that i don't know how to do but since i'm editing video so much knowing how to edit video as fast as possible is very essential so there's like mini shortcuts and stuff like that you can do to make your time of editing easier but right now it probably takes me like two hours to edit one hour of shooting footage so if i'm editing if i'm shooting for 15 hours it's going to take me 30 so that's 45 hours total i'm, I'm working um and yeah, I just want to make sure I'm like being as efficient as possible in that time. I have other stuff to do, so got to make sure my time is being used to the best of its ability before I start like bringing other people into this as well. Uh, but yeah, that's really it. Week is going by very well. I got some shoots I'm gonna go on in the next three days, which is awesome. Where? That's dope. Yes, sir. I feel like I was gonna add something, but I forgot. Um, what was I gonna say? What are you going to say about the thirsty thing? <laughs> I was going to do a throwback to when you were talking about um, filming for that lady. Bro, stop. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, she actually, so she hit me up, actually. So I she know, hit that's me why up. you're thirsty. No, nah, okay. that's crazy. She hit me up again. She hit me up uh, today, and she was like, yo, uh, when are you free to record? So now I get to record with her next week and see if she likes my stuff, which I hope she does, because I'd love to... You wait. You love to what? You love to what? Love to film for her. Film, bro. You gotta stop. Bro. <laughs> I'm gonna, bro. She's going to listen to this podcast when I tell her that. Like, oh, hey, yo, just look back on episode say what up twelve. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be working with her right. and anyone that's providing me with work. I'm, I'm appreciate it. Dang, you hungry? Dang, bro. Leave me alone. <laughs> Let me live my life, bro. <laughs> All right, uh, do you want to get into technical analysis now? Yes, yeah, I'll share the screen. 
I'm actually kind of feeling away though, because I swear there was something else that I wanted to bring up. Was it about my update or about something else? No, it was something. Oh wait, hold up. Did I just remember it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So before I share my screen, um, I forgot to mention I'm actually going to where is it? Cincinnati, Ohio. This weekend, I literally just booked everything yesterday. I was gonna say that was a very <laughs> quick thing. Like I, I yeah. saw, it, I was like, dang. Yeah, right. bro. Um, but I'm going for if y'all know about the fire community financially, wait, financial independence, retire early or whatever, like yep. that community. Um, so they're having this conference. It's called Economy. So it's like the word economy, but instead of at the end M Y, it's M E for me. Um, uh, yeah, you see what they did there? <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That was nice. Um, but yeah, so in a, a rental property course that I took from like, uh, like someone that's like very popular within the fire community, her name is Paula Pant from the Afford Anything podcast. So I took her a rental property investing course, and like they have their own mastermind meetings there, like virtual ones. So, um, two people that I was in a mastermind with, like her, uh, the girl's name is Nicole and this guy, Greg, we were in a mastermind together. So both of them said that they were going in the last virtual call that we had. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I might go. <laughs> I already have like a uh, vacation time from work like during that time period, so maybe I should. And yeah, I ended up just deciding to do it because I don't know what else I'm gonna do. I had to take vacation anyways for work. Wow, okay. But yeah, uh, another thing I forgot to tell y'all a while ago. You should have reminded me, Joel. You didn't tell him that what? I that I met my goal for the year, bro. Oh yes, sir. Yeah. That's not my place to tell him. That's your place. I know, I but you could have reminded me, bro. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, so um, typically I'm trying to double like what I consider to be my real asset column every year. So that means like counting my cash, my investments, and everything like stocks, crypto, everything. Um, and any equity that I have in properties that I own. So my goal for this year was 200,000. And I actually surpassed that, probably primarily because of options <laughs> recently. Um, because a couple weeks ago when I was at that other conference in Orlando, that was in October, I wasn't there yet. I was at like 195, I think. And I think last, last time I checked, I was at like 218. I don't know, it could be, it could be a little bit more, it could be a little bit less. I, I have no idea right now, I haven't checked. Um, but my network, that conference was how long ago, though? That was in October. So that's not even a month. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm very, saying. It has to be like that's three That's very weeks. awesome. Um, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I, I'm not going to lie. A couple like months ago. someone's like salary right there. Like, you know that. Like That's like a poverty. Like you just made the poverty level in three weeks. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what happens that's, when you own awesome. assets, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, not poor, yeah, you're not poor. Yeah, you're not poor. Yeah, like that. that's why we do what we do. You know what I mean, because I really didn't do that much. Yeah. Like I, a lot. Of, I mean, not a lot of it, but it's like obviously I have money in the stock market. Like that just moves. I don't do anything for that. Absolutely moves. Yeah, and then in stuff. options, it's like yeah. I mean, I gotta find my entry, and then I just buy it and I wait. <laughs> so same thing. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, th that's this nice. is definitely the power of owning assets, and that's why you gotta do exactly like the things that that we talk about on this podcast. So you can go ahead and make someone's annual salary within three weeks. Within three weeks, yeah. That's actually so, damn near my annual salary <laughs> from citizens. To be yo, honest. stop. That is crazy. No, that's just wrong. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so my net worth is is at two hundred thousand now, as well too, which is dope. Um, that is awesome. So next year, like technically, the goal should be four hundred thousand. 
um, by the end of the year. But I'm not extremely, extremely focused on that in the sense that what's more important would be for me to have um, more like passive cash flow coming in. And I prefer to have that through, yeah, through a business, rental properties, things like that. So that's why the Airbnb thing is so important. I move. Yeah. Yo, so that makes me think though, like would you be willing to take like a significant financial hit if it meant you'd create a bunch more money? Like would you be willing to miss your like $400,000 goal? Let's say you get 300, but you have like four, five rental units. Yeah. Next All day. All day. Next year, yeah. Yeah, so, but that's- I know sometime- Go ahead. Go ahead. Cause I was gonna say, like, I remember when you were uh, buying the property, like, bro, like, I'm spending so much money. I'm like, yeah, but you're gonna be making it back so quickly, and like, I know it still hurts to like see the the value go down. And I know you were like, yo, I'm stressed because I'm not trying to not have this money in here. Like, it's like, yo, this is my baby, basically. Like, you're losing it, uh, but it's like for the better. But I was interesting. Yeah, so I, I remember like- you. Yeah. These are kind of like the, the mental shifts that you have to go through along your financial independence journey. Because yeah. originally, like, especially with my original plan, and you talked about it, like, just on your YouTube channel, about the 4% rule and all that. So that was all about, like, mm-hmm. um, like putting money into index funds or whatever. So that's when, like, certain dollar amount goals like that in terms of what you have is so important. Um, because, for example, if you want to have, like, if you want to be financially independent off just to make numbers easy, like $40,000 a year, right? You would need a million dollar portfolio and it's gonna generate you like seven to 10% a year, but you would only live off 4%. Um, and true. you would essentially be able to, to live forever like that as long as your expenses don't uh, reach up <laughs> a lot. Which, which, is, which is shit, I feel. $400,000, like, that's a lot of money to be getting a year. I think you'll be fine. No, I'm saying 40,000. Oh, 40,000. Oh. Yeah, if you have a million dollar portfolio and using yeah. the 4% rule. Yeah. yeah, which you can do that really easily like, outside of the really U.S. Can. And you can do that. Uh, do I mean, you. Stuff. I don't know. Some people want to be extremely comfortable too. <laughs> it's really comfortable <laughs> in the U.S. Depending on where you live, of that. But also, if you're house hacking, you don't have a housing expense and things like that. Then it makes it significantly easier. Um, but I was gonna say also that I can argue not not that I'm financially independent per se, but that I'm at least like financially independent enough and definitely location independent like because of options trading that even if i didn't have this property like say i was still living at my mom's house or whatever if the world was open open and i could move to to bali right now or thailand which maybe i maybe i can maybe i should look more into it (laughs) but um yeah i could probably live in countries like that and just trade options and be straight so the fact that i still have like a large index fund portfolio i still have uh, like twenty five or twenty six thousand in crypto. I still have this property, and I can rent my unit when I leave. And I'm gonna be buying more, like whether it's a short term rental or whatever. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a really you feel good, right? Yeah, yeah. You feel <laughs> Great good, time to be alive. Like, ah, you know what? <laughs> That's how I'm yeah, life is not that stressful anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean it kind of is yeah. because of other nah, reasons. But I'll talk about that um, soon though, because I'm reading this book called The Gap in the Gain, um, and it kind of discusses like how really successful people like have that that mentality where like they're never happy and they're always stressed because they're focused on like the next goal versus um fully appreciating everything that they've already done we'll talk about that later though but, that's um, that's a good one too huh? yeah, right, yeah, like, yeah let me just sure. write that down so i can put the people on uh but yeah that reminds me now of that of the cash flow framework that you sent to me 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that in this episode, but I think that was extremely, extremely helpful. And I'm going to basically completely base like how I'm going to, uh, how my money's going to come in from this like photography business thing. We can talk about it next week because I still have to look at uh, it yeah. more in depth too. Someone uh, in another group chat I'm in just sent that to me. And I thought it was cool. That's so awesome. I sent that awesome. to you real quick. Um, but yeah, so. It was real... called the. No, go ahead. You said it was called the gap in the game? The gap in the gain. Okay. The gap in the gain. All right. Yep. And it's from the same people that that wrote the book. Excuse me. Um, Who Not How, which is a super gem. Y'all should definitely all read that. Um, But yeah, so real quick, going back to um, like having to make like a mental shift. And that's why that board game, Cashflow, from like the Rich Dad Poor Dad company or whatever, um, is really helpful because in that... Um, in that board game, you really have to do, I mean, you really have to buy um, assets that are producing like like real cash flow that's actually like coming into your bank account every month in order to like win. Um, and that that's like so different from like how I kind of play the game in real life because in the game you can also buy stocks. And a lot of times it's like, I'll just have mad bread because like I own mad stocks in the game. Um, and I'm, I'll sell for like a huge profit or whatever, but then it's like, I'll have trouble like finding a place to like actually park the money in order to produce the cash flow that's going to get me out of the rat race. So having enough cash flow to cover like passive cash flow to cover my expenses. Um, so that, that's why I need to make like a mental shift now. Um, especially because how I talk about like, Oh, I don't know if I have enough money to like do this move or do that move. And you're like, bro, you definitely have it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But I'll feel away Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to take from like my, my index fund portfolio. I don't know if I talked about it last time or on another episode. Um, but that that's also something I had to get over because I have like an extreme fear of betting on myself. I feel like that's crazy. I, t- I talked about it before. No, I remember now. Yeah. So that like, typically what I do is I just tie like my wealth, to assets that I know are gonna do well <laughs> over time. So I can yeah. just be trash, but it doesn't matter because exactly. I own the so stuff that's like doing very well. And that's not the worst strategy in the world, but I can just um, grow a lot faster if I was willing to take on more risk and kind of bet on myself and my skill set more. And the, the teams that I'm gonna put in place as well. I don't know, dude. I think you should definitely bet on yourself. From what I've seen, you're not uh, you're not a very, um, I'm just gonna go do this and not looking, like that doesn't, that's not really you. So any outlet I see, like you obviously use courses to help you take the knowledge from other people first, but I don't know, implementing it to your own way, I'm sure would be successful. You definitely seem very. I hope so. Like you, you're logic, <laughs> you're logical, huh? I said I hope so. <laughs> yeah, but you're logical enough to to make good decisions. Clearly, so. And one more thing before we get into technical analysis, but something that scares me about that too is um, people always talk about like in their journey about having like huge losses and all that. And I've never once ever had a huge loss. Like I've never made a huge mistake or anything. The only mistakes, like the only like bigger mistakes that you can really qualify is just like opportunity cost stuff where it's like, oh, I mean, I could have made this investment instead of that one. But I've always kind of just been on like the right trajectory anyways. So I'm still like, okay, or extra decent. Um, But yeah, so I just wonder like, all right, so when I finally kind of step out and do my own thing, like, is that when I'm going to take this big L and I'm, am I going to be able to recover from that? Probably, you probably will take an L at one point, but who cares? No, I'm saying like a huge L though. All right, but I don't think an L would take you out the game. I don't think you'd even put that much money on the line to get, or you think you might like, no, I don't think so. I don't think it'd ever take you out the game, bro. Nah, because. 
I don't think it was, I think people talk about their big losses like, wow, that sucked. But I feel like they always learn something about that that continues to help them. Like, if you're scared to make mistakes, then won't you literally never grow? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Yeah. So, like, I really feel like if, if you take an L, you don't have the type of personality that would say, dang, like, I just lost this money. I guess I'm done. Like, that, I don't think that would ever come from you. No, that's true. Yeah, I can never be done. Um, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah, and uh, just last thing real quick. So, how I try to get around that most of the time, like, the whole mistake thing is I just keep trying to learn from other people's mistakes so I don't have to make the same one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still just have that fear, like in the back of my head, that at some point I'm gonna make a huge mistake. Um, I mean, that's definitely good to learn from people's mistakes. That's that's the number one thing. Maybe that's why you don't really make mistakes. Bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm but then I just wonder attention. if I'm if I'm playing too safe. But it it has been working out okay in in my standards um, so far. But yeah, we'll see over time. But tune into the podcast to find out. <laughs> Stay I know, tuned. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, bro. Lost Yo, 30,000. <laughs> chill, bro. Chill. Imagine. That'd be sad. Alright. Um yeah, I don't know if you want to talk for a second so I can uh set this up because uh talk for a second about hmm about what would I talk You know, about? no, it doesn't even matter. I'll just I could I'll do it at the same time. Alright, so I'm gonna share my screen. I really like this carefully. All right, can you see my screen? Yes, sir. All right, word. So I'm on TradingView right now, um, and I'm gonna show y'all just a couple of different tools that I use when it comes to technical analysis. Um, and by the way, a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week when it comes to fundamentals, um, that doesn't apply as much if, if you guys end up being interested in option trading and you decide to just trade ETFs instead. Um, you don't have to like do as much of a deep dive. Although, I mean, it would definitely be helpful, especially if it's not like like a true index fund, um, because you might want to like really keep up with with the companies in that particular ETF to make sure that they're doing well. But I'm gonna only have the S and P up here for today. So, actually, let me put on one more indicator before I even begin for real. All right, so in terms of finding entries, um, you can use moving averages. I typically use um, exponential moving averages, but there's not really that much of a difference in my opinion. Um, but the standard ones that you'll hear from traders are the 50-day EMA, so the 50-day exponential moving average and the 200-day moving average. So typically, um, especially for an ETF, the 50 holds up pretty well. By the way, I don't really use the 50 like that. I use the 72 day. And the only reason I do that is because um, Ian on that show, uh, Market Mondays, he said that the 50 is okay. The 72 is better. Um, but the 200 day is really one um, where you kind of load the boat in terms of like, especially if the S&P hits the, the 200 day moving average, which it doesn't do often. Um, that, that might be a really, really good entry to look out for but as so what is it? Go ahead. I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions because not I don't really know too much about this. What is the moving? What is that? Like you said, moving day average. Moving average. Um, yeah. What is the moving average? 
So I hate it when technical indicators because they're so annoying to me. Um, but basically, it's it's tracking kind of like the movement of the stock over over time. Um, okay. So fifty days, obviously, it's like like yeah yeah. <laughs> All right, so I don't even have to that explain what that word. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, typically, in terms of support and resistance, because you'll see a bunch of traders like mark um, a bunch of lines on their charts for support and resistance. I don't really do that, although maybe I should. Um, I typically will use stuff like, for example, moving averages and um, Fibonacci, which also I'll show in a second, Fibonacci retracements specifically, um, to kind of mark areas of support and resistance. But support and resistance kind of, I feel like it is what it sounds like in a sense, where support is where, for example, the stock price will find support. So for example, over here, what date is this? Does it show it on here? It, I think it does at the bottom, but this thing is in the way. So for example, this is May 12th of 2021, where the S&P hit the 50 day moving average. And you can see over time, it, it will keep hitting it, but it's finding support in this area. So okay. it's, it's keeping it like held up. But you have to remember that um, once a stock actually breaks through, that moving average or that level of support will now become resistance. <laughs> so as you see over here on September 17th, it ended up closing below the 50 day moving average and then there was a big gap down. So now the 50 day moving average is no longer support. It's going to be resistance until it goes back above it. So that's why you see on September 24th, like around this time frame, it hits it and it can't break through. <laughs> so it jumps right back down and tries to do it again a couple times before it actually breaks it. And then... um so you guys can Wait, use this quick. for stocks, ETFs, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But the 50-day is typically a, a solid um, entry point. So even when it does break it, sometimes like it won't really break it like that bad. You know what I mean? Like it didn't fall too far below the 50-day moving average. So this like this is why I like doing leaps when it comes to options because I'm buying so much time. So typically I don't necessarily get like the best entry in the entire world. And like the farther that you go out, the less precise you really have to be as a trader. So as long as I'm in a decent range, I'm good. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'll scroll back so you guys can see a little bit more data when it comes to the 50 day. But you see over time, like it keeps hitting it and bouncing right off. That's why. You try to... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. What... Yeah. When do you hop into these trades? Then? When... When... I know you said like the time because you're buying so much time it doesn't matter but what's like the what in here do you do you hop in when it reaches that point right there when it reaches the 50 day moving average point? so i i use or a I couple closer? different tools um as a trader they call it like confluence so i'm looking at multiple things before i really make a decision um but the 50 day is one of them i'll also, like you're gonna have to wait to see fibonacci retracements after the fact um to understand what i'm talking about but um, the 50 day is one that I use, but I won't use it if it's still basically at an all time high. So another thing yeah. that I look at is I, I really want to get in more towards like, uh, like correction period. So if the S&P is down like near, for example, like five to 10%, especially 10% with the S&P, I'm also going to take that into account. Like if like, for example, right here, February 17th, right? If this was an all-time high right here and then it just fell right there to the 50-day, I'm 
I don't know, like I might enter, but I'm definitely not dumping the full clip. It wouldn't have been a bad idea because as you can see over time, it, it ended up rising way above that. I didn't even come back to it ever. Um, but I still might be scared just because it's so close. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So you have to take multiple things into an, into account. It's not just one thing. Um, and it could break past and, and take a while to rebound. Yeah. But just to give more data, right? So over here, like it ended up breaking it pretty bad. It still didn't get down to the 200 day. So that's how you know, like when it comes to an ETF, if it hits the 200, that's kind of a big deal. Um, so so how, how bad is that if it hits the 200? So like, like, like the oh, last time it broke was right. <laughs> like March yeah. 2020. You yeah, see what I'm right. saying? And look how bad it fell, bro. My That's God. insanity, bro. <laughs> That's crazy. So imagine having a short-term position on this versus oh, having a long-term position. Yeah, or, we're like, hey, I mean, this sucks. It's really bad, but hey. Yeah, and then looks nice. imagine also not oh, using a stop loss to lock in profits because some of the people that I follow that were like teaching me options um like they don't like because they're doing leaves they kind of don't really care sometimes or like um at least some of the people talking about it, they didn't really care as much to use stop losses it sounds like um so they weren't locking in profits along the way so they might have been way back like got a really good entry like maybe way over here or something like that uh, back in 2019 or yeah august of 2019 for example and rode this thing all the way up just to have it tank in march of 2020 so that, that's, that's why i like to lock in profits along the way and this is also why i like to have multiple portfolios because like you'll always hear um especially in the fire community and all that like oh you can't time the market and all that so that's why i like to kind of like hedge in a way um I feel like that there's another term that I could use as well, but I can't think of it right now. But it's like, I'll have, for example, an index portfolio where I'm not trying to, buy, to time the market. I'm just gonna buy every week, whatever, and just let it run, do what it, um, do what it does, right? So I'm, I'm betting on the market to do well over time. But there might be another portfolio where like, I'm kind of willing to take the risk for a larger reward. So there is a potential, for example, that maybe I get stopped out over here in February 2020, like going into March, but then I end up buying in at a low. I highly doubt that I would have timed it exactly at the bottom, um, but I would have waited for what they say, like they call it confirmation. So as I see it moving back up, like maybe over here, over over here, I would have probably tried to re-enter um, as I see it climbing back up. Because I, I don't think I'm ever going to really be able to time the exact top of the market and the exact bottom, but I don't need to in order for me to do well over time. Is that that's just something? I think that's a huge about. point though too, because I think I think people always are trying to figure out when the top and bottom are. But if you don't care about that, and you're really just trying to get, I guess, confirmation that at least the market is trending in this way, it gives you more of like it's less than it's it's not really gambling anymore. It's more like technical analysis i guess that's crazy yeah technical <laughs> analysis so you can kind of tell with some like assurance that you're doing well yeah that's a great that's a great method and i've I, never seen this too, too by the way for anyone watching like i've never i don't even understand what i'm looking at <laughs> i do now but uh that makes a lot of sense like logically in my head so that's that's awesome yeah um and there was something else that i feel like i wanted to say before that though but yeah as you can see it, it doesn't um the s p doesn't really hit the 200 day very often and typically when it does it's like 
it's just a really really bad time in the market <laughs> like this is a serious time which is hilarious because the other day like you weren't outside for this either bro 2018 bro i was outside for this bro i was here for this i was not here like, wait, 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 wait! What's going on with the fifty day? So the fifty day crosses over the two hundred day. That makes sense because well, it crosses below. Oh, that makes sense. Crosses below, but that makes sense though because it's shorter, and so the average. That means that the average of the two hundred day is higher than the average of the fifty. And that's day, right? that's a bad sign. That's what they call a, that's a very like bad a sign. bearish sign. So I won't say bad okay. because you can make money on the way down, especially say, it like for options traders. Money on the way up. Yeah. So typically, if the fifty day goes below the two hundred day that's a bad sign and it means it's probably gonna yeah. like keep going it's very low Jeez. but once it crosses back above it um that's a bullish sign saying that it's probably gonna rise again so that, that's something else that you guys could um look into as well but yeah i was outside for this but i'm bringing this up because someone had said um at the like networking event thing that i was at on tuesday he was like, oh, yeah, like, y'all have never been outside for a correction. I'm like, yes, I have, bro. <laughs> I've been outside for multiple corrections. And this was near the beginning of my index fund investing journey. And I was like, bro, y'all told me that, that I was going to get 77% a year, bro. What is this? <laughs> All I see is big red in my portfolio right now. I was looking tight. <laughs> like, I was I was very much a newbie at the time. And I think this at this time, it was... Um, you're going through like the tariff thing or something like Trump with the the China tariffs or I don't know something like that, so, some sort of like economic so issue. And I was like, bro, I don't know what's going on, but y'all told me I didn't have to pay attention to this stuff and I could keep buying the market. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but I continue to do it anyways. And I mean, if if you look at the charts or if you look at the percentage return during that time period, if uh, look at my portfolio right now, you'll yeah, know that it yeah. worked. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Clearly, it worked out. <laughs> Which is why, um, if you guys, like I said before, if you don't want to take the time to, to do all this analysis on individual stocks and you want to still trade options, you could literally just trade the S&P. And to be honest, I, I might just start doing that. I might trade the S&P and I'll trade, for example, like a technology index or something like that and just other ETFs. So it doesn't take as much time, especially if I have like so many other things going on. Like if I'm like, no, nah, I need to spend all this time working on short term rentals, like. I'm I'm just not doing in like research really on individual stocks right now. It's not happening. So, a question then for you. Yep. Uh, if you if you're gonna trade the S and P 500, given it's like crazy crazy good track record, mm -hmm. does it not really matter when you hop in, especially since you're trading like you you're gonna go to 2024, 2025? Like, can you just hop in right now, at whatever price? Who cares? And just hold it, wait till it goes up. So, um, I feel like the the general advice is always that don't get in at an all-time high excuse me wow don't get in at an all-time high um mm -hmm. so i feel like at, though, to right? be safe i would still want to get in around at least like a 50-day moving average or like what would be better is like um like a 10 percent correction or five to ten percent correction um there's also just certain time periods where the s p usually drops anyways like I think like February and March is typically a bad time in the market and September is typically also a bad month. Um, so actually I can show you guys this too now that I think about it. You guys can look at seasonality. So we'll put all these links like we do usually in the in the description. description. But you can, actually I'll just And the links to any like book that was mentioned too. So you got like the E myth gap. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of see like uh, like the trend, like the months where 
certain like you can use this for stocks or ETFs like where typically it does well and typically it doesn't really do so great. Um, but yeah, and th this is tracking it from like the last five years, so twenty seventeen to twenty twenty one. Actually, that's four years, right? Twenty seventeen to twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's four years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these are just other things that you guys can take into account. So if you see, for example, um, this is a percentage of months in which the SPY, so the SP 500, <clears throat> closed higher than it opened from 2017 to 2021. So you see here, April is typically a really good uh, month for the market. June and July, typically pretty good months. November is typically a pretty good month. So it's probably going to continue to rise. Whereas you see over here, like September and October, don't really look the greatest. It only um closed higher than it opened like 60 percent of the time during that time period so you can kind of uh time your entries around that as well so i would say um it's not oh my gosh i hate this like i guess you technically can um enter whenever you want but i i just personally wouldn't especially with options because if it starts tanking immediately like it's also just the the psychology behind it like if you you might just start freaking out because you're like, dang, I know I didn't get the best entry. And now I see like my account dropping dramatically because of how volatile it is. So you, I feel like you'll just have more confidence if you did um, try to get in closer to um, like a more intentional um, approach that you use or whatever. But um, just another like tool that you guys can use as well is called RSI. So the general rule for RSI, and that stands for Relative Strength Index, um, so it's typically trying to figure out whether a stock is overbought or oversold. Meaning, if it's overbought, that means it's, it's kind of running too hot right now, and it might pull back. And like the, the default for RSI is around 70. So they say like if it's running like towards 70, then that's when it's getting into overbought territory. So you might want to expect a pullback. Whereas if it's near 30, then it's getting oversold and you should probably expect a rebound. Um, they say RSI isn't necessarily the best indicator, but it's definitely something that's helpful. Um, and as you can see here, like once the S&P went past um, 70, it, like, it lasted for a little bit and went up to 76 and then it kind of pulled back a little bit. So y'all can keep monitoring uh, that to see how it goes. Um, and I don't think the, I don't think the S and P hits thirty very often. But individual stocks, cool. you you definitely see a lot more price movement. Um, so be mindful of that as well. So I'll also say, um, what might be a little bit better when it comes to RSI, because some of the gripes about it is sometimes a stock can stay in like overbought territory if you're using kind of like that seventy thirty rule for a significant amount of time. Um, and same thing with oversold. So people sometimes prefer to use 80 and 20 instead of 70 and 30. Um, and what's it called? Um, you can also just like, like look at the general moves of that particular um, investment that, that you're trading to see like, all right, so typically when it hits over here like this this might be a level of resistance or whatever just as an example like anytime it hits like this price range even if it's not within that 70 30 or 80 20 range it might pull back or it might rebound from it so you can utilize that as well um one more thing actually i have two more things for y'all 
but another one that you guys can use is Bollinger Bands. So this is also kind of like a moving average type of indicator. So typically when something is hitting the top of the band, that means it's probably gonna pull back soon. Whereas if it's near the bottom of the band, it's probably gonna rebound. And typically it's gonna stay within um, like this middle line area. Yep. What was that called again? Bollinger Bands. Bollinger Bands, okay. And then something else that I really like to use um, is Fibonacci Retracements. Uh, I don't want to get RSI out of you. So I'll show you guys how to use that. Since I'm trading like longer term, I like to use the weekly chart um, because it, it shows me more of like the longer term trend. Um, but when you're using Fibonacci retracements, typically you're going from like um, the low to the top of like one particular wave. Um, so for example, so you guys can see like, this is really gonna be helpful only if you guys are viewing the video. If you're just hearing me, you're, you're probably not gonna understand what I'm talking about waves. But for example- Hey, but it's a good thing though that we got the videos on YouTube right now. Exactly. In high definition. <laughs> Facts. Um, but yeah, so like this right here, like September 27th, like this time period or whatever, to over here could potentially be considered a wave, right? There are other ones that you can use. You can go as far back as you would like. Um, but just as an example, I'll go from here to the high point. We're still kind of in this wave, but... And what Fibonacci retracements will do, I'm going to bring it back to the daily chart, will show you um, kind of like another example of support and resistance. Um, so it's saying the retracements are where is a stock going to retrace to um, once it starts pulling back. So this is saying right here that the next level you should look out for is 460. That's where um, the S&P might find support. But if it breaks through that support, the next level you might wanna look at is 453.82. So you can kind of track like like the movements um, of a stock, for example. But the big ones to look out for, if you're looking for like a strong pullback, is the 0.5 area and the 0.618. Um, those indicate like really, really strong pullbacks. Um, so that, that's just another way to find a good entry. So for example, if if the S&P drops down to like between 443 to 448, based off the FIB levels that I pulled, um, that, that might be a good entry for you. And you can combine that. This is what I was saying about Confluence um, with other indicators. So let's, let's put back on some of the moving averages. So you can see, I probably really only need one of those. Let me just get rid of the other one. Oh, yeah, so that was kind of perfect. So the 50-day moving average is near, con well, it's in that range of the 443 to 448. It's actually at 447 right now. Um, so I, that's what I was saying about Confluence, where you have like kind of multiple, mul sorry, multiple indicators telling you the same thing. So you might have more confidence getting into a trade in this range because it's like, well, my Fibonacci retracements is telling me that this might be an area of support as well as a moving average right here um 
and you can also look at RSI and the Bollinger Bands and things like that. So that's why I'm saying like I'm taking multiple things into account, just like um, with the fundamentals, I was looking at multiple analyst reports, multiple analyst price targets, um, reading articles every day for like a bullish and a bearish case on like whatever stock I'm looking at. So just taking multiple things into account. Um, but I would say that's basically it. Wow. <laughs> just it's, it's crazy because like like yeah. you said like the the stock market is just based on people's feelings so that was just like a technical analysis of people's feelings over time is how it feels like in my head bro yeah like, and i feel like the feel. reason that um technical analysis like might even work is it's kind of like a self-fulfilling privacy in a way where it's like you have all these different traders probably like including institutions that are all looking at mm -hmm. the same charts using the same, the same exact indicators so it's like yep. It could be just like, uh, we all believe that this thing has support when it hits this, like when it hits this moving average. And since we all believe that, we're all pumping the stock <laughs> at yeah. the same time. And we might be like, oh, it's oversold here. So we're all going to sell at the same time, like things like that. So that that's why, um, I don't know if we got that part on camera, but I thought it was really funny when someone made the joke that like technical analysis is really just astrology for men. Nah, yeah, that makes sense now I understand that joke. Yeah. Wow. And it, yeah. Well, I mean, we're making money with this, so I don't think any Sagittarius is making money doing. Oh, but they really are though. Whoever made cosigns a genius. I mean, I'm a Sagittarius, and I'm making money. Right? That's crazy. Wait, what's your birthday? Oh, December. No sir. No, right, no sir. I don't know if November. I want to release on the it's podcast. November. I don't want people right, saying November. happy birthday to me. I don't be liking that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> On my birthday, I'm just like, yo, right, leave valid. me alone, bro. I'm weird. That's valid. Okay, all right, word. So, uh, so if you want to view, uh, I guess that that's gonna be in a shorter clip. Uh, if you didn't view it from, if you listened on on the on audio on any podcast platform, make sure you check out what we just showed you because that was a lot of information, and I don't know how you'd possibly follow that through <laughs> through audio. I don't think we did like the be best job. There's not a chance. So definitely take a look at that. Um, but I think that's all we have for you today um oh, i think we talked about what we wanted quick, to do for next week like updates so yeah. um you can trade any like i mean not any asset but you can trade basically any asset using those same uh that same set of technical analysis like that applies to crypto that applies to forex and all that stuff so oh you mean like that okay yeah like, like the same indicators and things like that same moving averages um it, they apply to everything so just another thing to keep in mind. That is good to know. All right, so for next week, I think what I want to try to really work on and get better at, I'm not going to get the, the supplies for, um, like, the shirts and T-shirts and stuff for this photography thing for a while, which sucks. But I want to get the logo completely, um, I guess, like, completely made uh, in patches so I can just replicate it quickly and then just put them on shirts when I get them. Um, I just want to just, I don't know, I guess it's just making money. I'm in grind time right now, so I don't really have too much, too much, too much updates on that, but I still want to keep posting content on social media. I think you've seen the content I've been posting yep. on social media. I'm trying to stay like very, very, uh, keep people in the loop on that. Uh, and then I want to, I don't know if it's going to happen next week, but uh, I am going to continue my own personal YouTube channel specifically on what I'm doing with um, the photography stuff I do. 
it's just too good of a way to make money yeah. in the future and it's also like something i want to do and have like the equipment for and the want to do it so hopefully you see something by next week on that word how about you though for next week yeah. uh we're sitting down with that lender that's like the one yeah, thing that's, that's most important the one thing that's another book too all right all right so uh if that's all you have we hope to see you in the next week's episode uh goodbye I never know how to end this out. Later, y'all. I never know how to end this out, man. All right, we'll see.